But in the meantime, you should be building a brand for you that per adventure, something should come up that you need to be marketable again, whether for other employment or for uh, to accessorize your income through uh, outside doing the freelance work. You have to remain your own brand. You cannot lose your personhood in your company. And, and I'm pushing it a little bit. I don't think it's even healthy to lose who you are in your marriage. Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, Moving Forward in Truth and Love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel. I am sitting here in the studio with a man who is really larger than life in the religious world and beyond. I mean, if, even if you, you don't go to church or crack open a Bible, uh, you've probably heard of Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, he's written more than 40 books and has a widely successful ministry out of his Dallas-based church, The Potter's House, which also includes a weekly television ministry program called The Potter's Touch. It's watched by more than 3 million people. And the church itself is a testament to his entrepreneurial skills in balancing faith and economic empowerment. And I hesitate to use the word prosperity because it has such a negative connotation in this sort of political climate. But, you know, there is a prosperous um, sense about this. And he's shaking his head, yes, I good, I, I, he approves. But it's not about putting riches ahead of the gospel, is it, no. Bishop Jenks? No, it's not. It's not the traditional prosperity gospel, but our need to be able to label people uh, often causes me to be thrown into a package because people don't really really get to know you. They just throw you in a bag and whatever they read last about you, that's where they are. Yet there is an assignment that I have as it relates to economic empowerment for underserved communities that goes beyond charity and benevolence to empowering people with ideas and creativity through which they can better their lives and themselves. You know, this is very important, you know, and, and your new book really speaks about this. It's called SOAR, Build Your Vision from the Ground Up. Who is this book for? You know, I listened uh, during our recent electoral process, and I listened at the Rust Belt states and really became even more aware. I didn't have to become totally aware because because I grew up in West Virginia, so I understood the coal mines. I understood the Pittsburgh steel mills and all of that. I remember those areas. Those were my stomping grounds. And I watched the decadence that hit the cities and the loss of jobs and the young people moving away and, and the disparity that began to exist in those areas. Uh, being well acquainted with the inner city, though I didn't grow up in one, I've certainly pastored near and around one, and I'm very well acquainted with the with the dynamics that creates the conundrums that exist inside the inner city. And it mm-hmm. occurs to me, even though these two people group never talk to each other, they are in some ways inextricably connected in as much as they are suffering for the lack of what used to be. Yeah, yeah. When you hear um, the talk and the noise and, and the intent of uh, our current president talking about bringing back uh, these jobs that have gone away, right. while that is noble and important, the reality is the vast majority of Americans do not work for Fortune 500 companies. They mm-hmm. work for small businesses and entrepreneurial pursuits. Secondly, even if those jobs do come back, the technology has so advanced they will not come back in the form that we remember them. Right, right. So I, you need a 
10-year-old now to run, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> to run know, Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that weird that you have to get somebody like five to help you turn on things? You can afford it, but you can't run it. They can run it and can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we are. But I wrote this book about entrepreneurial pursuits. My dad was an entrepreneur. He didn't know to call it that. Uh, he started out when doing some of everything. I talk in the book about how he just hustled whatever he could do, whether he was selling fish. I mean, he sold uh, houseware products. He sold everything. And then finally... With one mop and one bucket, he started a janitorial service that ended up with 52 employees wow. and 10 trucks. And he and he just did it on his own. Nobody told him. and said, you know, there's, there's got to be a way, and, and I've got this skill, so somebody else, I can train somebody else to do that skill. We're fighters. We're fighters. Yeah. We come from a long line of fighters and, and a long line of entrepreneurs. And, and when I th- think of the term entrepreneur, for some listeners, entrepreneurial pursuits, it's like starting a company with $5 million and that sort of thing. But this book is written to the person who doesn't have access to a lot of capital, and yet they have a desire to get up on their feet, to mothers who are trying to get back into the workforce, or to divorcees who are having to fend for themselves for the first time, and the jobs you remember are gone. Entrepreneurial opportunities are a critical conversation we need to have, and I did it in the book called SOAR. Um, you know, books for you are like sermons. I mean, they really are. I mean, it's just kind of an extended sermon. I mean, what is it, 162, 180 pages of sermon? And you really break it down to, okay, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that's on the cover, uh, one of the most famous words of the prophet Isaiah is uh, 4031, they will soar on wings like eagles. And I love this verse because the entire verse goes, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Mm-hmm. Why is that important to this book? It's important because when you talk about entrepreneurship, you're talking about endurance. You're talking about running and not being weary. You're talking about walking and not fainting. There are some tough days in opening up a business. I watched my father do it, and it was tough, and I have done it. Uh, people, A lot of people don't realize that they think that TDJ Enterprises existed because of the Potter's House, but the reality is it, it existed before the Potter's House. So we struggled, and we did plays, and we traveled, and we did tours and that sort of thing, and then uh, had an opportunity to go to the screen and started doing films. And we've done over $500 million worth of for-profit business in films alone. Wow. Uh, the film's grossing at the box office, $500 million, I should say it that way. That level of business puts me in the land of walking with entrepreneurs and then on Sunday morning walking with preachers, too, and those dynamics are really interesting <laughs> from day to day because what I found out is that people of faith would really benefit if they had better business skills. Yes. And people in business would really benefit if they had a little bit more faith. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe – so when you read the book, you will hear both sides of my brain talking. Uh, you know, the Bible says faith without works is dead, being alone. The church has done a real good job of teaching us about faith, but not much about teaching us about works. Yeah. How yeah. does it work? Well, this is the thing you say in the book, because you say you two hold within your hands the power to soar. And I think that is that new for people to say, I have within me the ability to to realize the dreams that I have? I think there's two things that happen to the mainstream audience. One is the intimidation and the insecurity to, to lack the confidence to believe that you have within yourself what you need to be able to achieve it. And then in the spiritual community, you have the the other end of the spectrum. If God wanted me to have it, he would give it to me. 
So, so they, their faith absolves them from human responsibility mm. to participate in the process. Right, right. <laughs> okay. Either one of them misses the mark of understanding that life is a collaborative uh, effort between you and God. That God says, uh, whatsoever a man doeth, that shall God prosper. If you don't do it, God can't prosper it. If you don't cast the bread upon the waters, it won't return. If Peter doesn't drop his nets, he won't take in the fish. There is a human responsibility in any aspect of getting on with your life. If you don't exercise, you won't get be healthy. Humans are not absolved from responsibility. We've taught in the church a lot about philanthropic endeavors, and it's a good thing to do. But philanthropy doesn't last long. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is something uh, in psychology called compassion fatigue. After a while, people get tired of being compassionate, and your needs will last longer than human compassion. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. Been there, done that. <laughs> Entrepreneurial pursuits, to me, is part of being like God. Our God is a creator, and he made us creative. And what I'm trying to do is talk to people who may need to understand that you are the people you've been waiting on and that you may have to become the CEO of your own brand, even if you have a job or don't, that the company you work for is not really interested in building your brand. They hired you to build theirs, and when they finish with you, they will toss you to the side. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. It's just business. Wow. That's that's almost like it's pretty harsh, but it's true. It's true. It's, it's absolutely true. true. I can't tell you how many how many journalists who poured their hearts out working for corporations, and when the company got through with them, they tossed them to the side. They're completely unemployed, and 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 they built a brand for an institution, but never built a brand for themselves. Don't even engage in social media outside of the auspices of their organization. And I was down at the National Association of Black Journalists. And I taught a seminar on this because this mm-hmm. is a huge problem. Particularly in this area, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say anything disparaging about Fox. Of course, this is, this is where I work, and so mm-hmm. I've worked for a very long time. But they are in the business of building their own brand. Absolutely, absolutely, and that goes for anybody. J.C. Penney's, anything, any other type of business, they hire you to promote them, and that's fine. You should do that. But in the meantime, you should be building a brand for you that per adventure, something should come up that you need to be marketable again, whether for other employment or for uh, to accessorize your income through uh, outside doing the freelance work. You have to remain your own brand. You cannot lose your personhood in your company. And, and I'm pushing it a little bit. I don't think it's even healthy to lose who you are in your marriage. Yes, because if you cease to be the person that was interesting enough for me to date you and become this person, this wife or this husband, we we didn't date you like that. We don't want you like that. (laughs) And a lot of people become so into us. They forget about. They forget you. And yeah. it was you that I wanted. <laughs> and and so, <laughs> so it is also true with the company. Remain interesting. Remain marketable. Remain engaged. Always consider your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, your dress, your clothing. All is building a brand, a persona that makes you valuable. That's the kind of thing we're talking about in the book. And should you decide to go into the entrepreneurial pursuits, 
Entrepreneurship is a mentality. It's not an address. It's not a location. It's about assuming responsibilities for outcomes rather than waiting for checks every two weeks. Wow. That's pretty. I don't want to say it's harsh, but it's really it's it's information that a lot of people just need to hear. You know, how should people of faith, though, measure success? Is it by the same measure as a sort of secular worldview? I mean, because, you know, there is a there's a there is a a danger in making a career an idol. You know, you can actually become idolatrous about your career and the pursuit of, of wealth or the pursuit of whatever, even if you're building your own brand. But how should people of faith actually measure success? Well, as you know, when I wrote this book, I wrote it using the Wright brothers and their experience with building the plane as a metaphor through which we could talk about entrepreneurship. And one of the things that I tried to make clear in the book is that when the Wright brothers came up with the audacious idea that they could be where they saw birds fly, it sounded totally ridiculous. But they said, I belong up there, and then went back and started building something to get them there. The thing you build to get you to where you belong in life, whether that is configured where you can do a not-for-profit or configured so that you can pursue acting or configured so that you can do whatever you want to do. It's not about the volume of money. For some people, it's about uh, being a masseuse. I don't get to define what your purpose is in life. But building a business is the transportation that takes you to the destination. It should not be the destination. You don't build a business to say, oh, I have a business. You build a business through which you can reach a particular goal, sending your kids to college or selling it at a certain point or doing this or that or the other. It is not a destination. It's like an airplane. It's transportation. There, you know, you break it down in your book, and I want to go through some of the parts because the first part, I think we've been talking about it. Expand your vision. What do you mean by that? Expand your vision. You know, we're not taught to think entrepreneurially. We're taught to think, especially people who came up in an era where the idea of having a good job was the best thing that could ever happen to you. But that was back when companies kept you for 30 years and Ooh, you my, got the golden watch. My dad worked for the same company for 40 years. Exactly. That's when I knew. You could set your clock by when he came home from work. Exactly. That isn't our reality in Anymore. And so people are tossed to and fro. And, and, and for me, it is not so much about being wealthy. To me, it's about being uh, able to facilitate a future for you and your kids, whatever that future is, mm-hmm. to be able to send your kids to the college of their choice and not be controlled about what, will, what college will let you in because they gave you the money. Those <laughs> sorts of things are the realities that we're facing in our communities right. that are detrimental to us. Or waiting on the right person to get in office so that we can get something changed or done, suppose they get out of office and it comes undone again. We're tired of playing yo-yo with politics. And one of the ways that we can help to uh, uh, solidify uh, legacy is to, is to hire ourselves. And many other cultures and uh, have done that down through the years. And so one of the things I'm saying, that needs to happen. And let me be transparent with you, Lauren, for a minute. Yeah. There's also a reality that people don't understand about what's happening in the inner city. Part of the problem is a result of the nuances of the criminal justice system and our inability to be able to change them. So we have a, a disproportionate amount of people who have been incarcerated, and then they get out of being incarcerated for whatever reason, something you did as a teenager, and now you're 40 years old, and you still can't get a job because you have a record. 
So when we tell people this is America and I see other people getting up on their feet, yes, but they didn't all have criminal records. Right, right. The same people who say you ought to stand up on your feet and take care of yourself are the same people who won't hire you or rent an apartment to you because you have a previous record. This has created a sinkhole in our society from which people cannot get out. You have a ministry, though, that's directed towards that exact person. Absolutely. We have seen 10,000 formerly incarcerated inmates to go through our Texas Offenders Reentry Initiative, and we have gotten commendations and, and letters of uh, affirmation from uh, Democrat and Republican administrations all the, way, all the way up to the White House level. We have been very effective in reducing the rate of recidivism, and we have no competition in our effectiveness to be able to do that. That's why I take on this cause, because I know that there are smart people who went back to school, got their degree, some had their master's degree, some had their master's before they went into jail. They've been out 10, 20, 30 years for some nonviolent crime, can't get a job fixing stopwatches because because that's the way America operates. Mm. We are wonderful at telling people what they ought to do and taking away the tools they need to do it. So for those people who fit in those categories. For those mothers who were home with their children and now the children are gone, they want to go to work and they want to start a business and they, they fill out application after application and they white, black, brown, doesn't matter what color you are, you can't get into the workforce because the last time your finger sat down at a desk, they were typing on a typewriter and nobody could even remember the little ball that bounced around on the typewriter is gone and you're at a loss, but you're smart and you're bright, you may have to hire yourself. If you had a record, you may have to hire yourself. If you've been in a divorce, you may have to hire yourself. You may have to create additional streams of income. Or if you are working a job and you keep suspecting there's something more in life for me than this, like the Wright Brothers, I belong up there, you may have to build the business that takes you into the realm of life that you need to be. And that brings you to the next part. You walked into that very, 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 very nicely. Build your wings. What does it mean? Build You mean build the apparatus, build whatever it is yeah. that's going to take you there. Build your wings means that I, I, maybe it's the universe I live in. I'm surrounded by people who just think, God will just make it happen. <laughs> You know, we sing, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. And we get happy about the feeling and we have the feeling, but that's all we have is the feeling. God, fight this battle for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we feel real good on Sunday. But when we go home Monday uh, and we can't get a new roof on the house and when we go home Monday and we've been in a hurricane and the insurance didn't cover it. And when we go home Monday and our kids can't go to college because we don't have the resources, that becomes a really tough thing to do. When I start talking about building your own wings, that means a lot of things. It means building a team around you that is inspirational and empowering and that feeds you rather than feeds off of you. Mm. Most of us are more masterful at drawing people who need us than we are drawing people who feed us. If you have a life full of people who need you and they're all making withdrawals from you and you don't have anybody who feeds you, who's making a deposit to you, you are emotionally bankrupt. 
How does that work? How do people make that mistake all the time? Because when you're in that, mm-hmm. I, I would guarantee people don't even know they're in there. You don't know it until you burn out or you have an emotional breakdown or you're sitting up somewhere on the side of the bed crying and you don't recognize because you can't be everything to everybody forever. And, and, and people have gotten to the point that they take you for granted because they don't really understand that you are a human being, too, and you need to be built up and be fed. This is something I found out that you have to do intentionally. You have to intentionally build the kinds of relationships that feed you so that you will have something when you deal with people who need you. Most people don't have that, and they become depleted. And if you're going to start a business— you have to create an ecosystem of intellectual properties, people who are smart enough, who come up with great ideas. You can't be the only person who comes up with a great idea and build a business you want to build. Okay, So yeah. this is in every area of your life, building your wings. And then once you begin to build those wings through the teams you have around you, through the influences you have, through the research that you have done prior to going into business, it diminishes drastically. The likelihood of you going out of business when you have done the proper research and built the proper team before you go in. Now, this is this is a lot of work we're talking about. This is not just, hey, it's going to happen. I'm going to you know float through and. But it no. takes a lot of work. This is not something that you could do no. overnight. The stats are shocking because they say that people who go open up a business because they want money, I think it's about 80-some percent of them end up going out of business. Mm. You don't want to go into business just because you want money. Everybody can use some more money. You go into business because you have a talent, a skill, or a gift that could be of service to somebody, that could be help to somebody. Because if you can find – if you can produce something that someone needs, it is much easier to market it. What you want your business to be is somebody's answer. And when you find who that somebody is, you have found your business. Hmm. What about I want what about clear the clouds? What does that mean in terms of how you get through, how do you make your business a success? You want to clear out all the things that are likely to bring you down, whether it's location, uh, identifying what base you're after. Is this a business that, say, is this a cosmetic line? Uh, does it is it for women? Is it for what age women? Is it for particular ethnicity? To, to really clear the clouds of ambiguity because shooting shotgun dollars when you have limited funds uh, is not only expensive, it's frustrating, and it's ineffective. There's something that I talk about in the the book called the E2I ratio, and it is energy to impact ratio. Just the fact that you expend a lot of energy doesn't mean that you're having a lot of impact. Right. Right. And so I'm I'm challenging the reader of the book not only to measure how much energy, oh, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm working myself to death. Instead of focusing so much on how much energy is expended, you really want to fill your head with how much impact did we have? Did that affect anything? Number one, it's more positive than focusing on the energy. And number two, it will make you more effective. Busyness is not the same as business. I see a lot of people who are busy as they can be, but their business is deplorable. And a lot of times we are busy doing things that don't move us closer to the goal. Let me say one other thing that's real important. Okay. All right. Because this whole thing of success and talking a bit about people of faith and all of that, and once people put you in a file cabinet, you can't get out, and he's preaching, da-da-da-da, you can't get out. Let me give my definition of success. My definition of success is to envision your purpose 
in your mind, in your head, and never stop working until you see it in front of your face. What about the issue? What about prayer? What about bringing God into the process? What about asking God, you know, you know, should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? I mean, how does faith kind of weave itself into this economic empowerment? It, for, for, it, it does it in a lot of ways because this is not just about money. It, for instance, I met a lady who walked away from being a nurse, a, a nursing career where she was getting paid excellent money to be a massage therapist because she found it more rewarding and fulfilling. For some people, it's not about going up in income. It may be going down in income. But if it's something that you have a passion for, if it's growing gardens and flowers and it gives you fulfillment and you want to do it, this is not about greed. This is about purpose. The second thing I want you to understand where God comes in is I believe that when the Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart, I don't think that that means that God means that God is Santa Claus. I think that means <laughs> that God will put desires and passions in your heart that line up with your purpose. So when you start talking about finding your purpose, you're finding out what God has designed for you to be and do. But once you discover what God has designed for you to be and do, you have to work at that. That doesn't just happen. When I started ministering, for example, my hand shook so bad I couldn't hold a microphone. Really? Oh, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> to, to see you, to see you now, it, it's hard to believe that that ever happened. They used to have to put the microphone stand up and adjust it to the height of my lips because I, I, my hands would shake so bad I couldn't do it. When we first started opening up plays, our first two plays went bankrupt. We went so in the hole, we had to put up stuff that we had to pay the bills that we had. Failure is a part of victory. And, and, and let me explain that. If you take a baby and you'd want the baby to start walking, you would never expect it not to trip or fall because it is the falling that teaches you how to walk. And so this notion that you're going to get into something because God is in it, it's going to go perfectly well. And there's not going to be any problems. Read the Gospels. God was in Christ and things went pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this old notion that if it's really God's will, everybody's going to speak well of you. and Nobody's going to resist you. That is not true. I cannot find anybody out here who's ever been successful in no matter how you define success who doesn't have critics. Haters, naysayers, problems at work or at home or physically or emotionally or a mother who has incompetence or a father who's incontinent or a child that has a learning problem. All of us have clouds and problems and issues. This is not for the faint of heart. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You wouldn't be renewing your strength if it wasn't a fight. You're going to mount up on wings like eagles. You're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. And I'm going to give you something that I'm really saving for my series. It's the Sunday week from now, but I'm going to give you just a little bit of it. Okay. The eagle, the eagle, the bald eagle takes the eaglets onto her wings after they have been in her nest and flies up as high as she can go and drops them. 
Oh, dear. And she drops him because they have been in the incubated environment of the egg and then the incubated environment of the nest. And for the first time, she takes him out of the nest. Imagine if the nest were the security and the safety of a job. She takes him up in the air into a high place and then drops him. And in utter terror, the eaglets start flapping and flapping and flapping and falling and flapping and falling and flapping and falling and flapping. And all of a sudden, they found out this flapping thing is holding me up. It is in the terror of facing your scary place that you will always find your wings. Ooh, that is scary. That is scary because you know what? It's the the place that a lot of people are in. I've got to pay the rent or the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I've got to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't just walk away from a job that is the support system from all of that. Mm-hmm. What's your advice? I don't think it has to be all or nothing. You know, I think it can be a transition. You can take on what you want to do as a career and make it a hobby until you drop some kind of strength and some kind of backlog of customers and clients and then step into something gradually. That's what I mean about preparation. I spent a lot of time in that book on preparation. I'm not a big guy for just 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 diving into things arbitrarily with no experience and no research and see what happens. Because the other side of what I didn't tell you is that the mother eagle also watches. If they don't find their wings, she catches them and puts them back on her wings and does it over and over again until they get the hang of it. This is not a one-step situation. This is a, a process. And everybody I have ever talked to who ever flew to great heights fell and fumbled and stumbled and then found their wings. Mm. Some really great advice. Um, I want to just thank you so much, uh, Bishop T.D. Jenks. Uh, the book is called Soar, Build Your Vision from the Ground Up. I'm inspired. Thank you. I'm very inspired. And thank you very much. And I'm Lauren Green. Thanks for listening.